What's up, folks of Gator Country? This is none other than your boy, David Soderquist, along with Andrew Spivey. And Andrew, we had quite a week of college football wrapped up in the books, and a lot of teams struggled coming out of the first game of the season, and a lot of teams who actually looked impressive in week one as well. But first and foremost, here we have to break down our takeaways from Gainesville, Florida. And as the uh, Florida Gators defeated the Fighting Willie Taggers here, 35-14. Uh, to 14. Now, Andrew, I know we talked a little bit last night on the phone about the game, and I got to watch some of the highlights and go over the stat lines, but taking away what you did from the naked eye, what did you first off think about the crowd? Because the crowd was pretty packed, and the student section was sold out over there. I looked over there. It was completely sold out. Secondly, what was your overall basic takeaways, first off, just from the offense as a whole? Yeah, first off, I mean, how have we missed the crowd? You know, and, you know, I – Again, you know, you you take it for granted because, I mean, in our lifetime, have we ever not seen, you know, I mean, obviously Florida's had 70,000 for some games, 80,000 for some games, but we just take for granted what it is. And, and you even seen it. Um, FAU had some trouble at, at different times in the game, uh, getting calls in, uh, took a couple timeouts because of the crowd noise um, and really crowd noise all around the, the country, you know, Florida state, for instance, you know, that was a, that was an electric crowd. And, and yeah. I will say this um, good for them with Bobby Bowden being honored. Good for them. Good for them to sell it out and yep. honor Bobby in that way. And, and, and that's coming from a guy who's not a Florida State guy. I don't care anything about dope. Can't stand them. If they lose every game for the next 50 years, I'll be perfectly fine. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, so it, it was good to see the atmosphere. Um, it's good to see the atmosphere in general. Um, offensively, you know, there were some struggles. Um, but you put up 553 yards. So it's tough for me to say – the offense struggled and to put it in perspective and, and not to toot my own horn and not toot the podcast on horn, but we said it, we said it last week. This is team's going to be 60, 40, 70, 30 run to pass. It is yep. what it is. If you're expecting anything else from this offense, you're, you're going to get disappointed all year. You might as well turn the TV off and cut off, you know, all your Florida Gator football um, stuff because you're not it, – it's just not. I mean, maybe next year, but not this year with Emory Jones. And, and I'm not saying that to to get on the Emory Jones train. We'll, we'll, we'll back that up in a little bit. We'll talk about the Emory-Anthony um, Richardson battle a little bit. But, um, you know, I just – when you look at – when you look at the stats, 400 yards rushing and 153 yards passing. 153 yards passing is bad, really bad. But, again, when you put it in perspective that this team was going to be more of a run-first offense, they had 400 yards of rushing. Most since the cocktail party in 2014 when uh, Willie Muschamp decided he wasn't going to bring any air for the football and throw it. Um, So, I – it's tough for me to say that the offense struggled. Um, I said it on the podcast on Friday. I wanted to see the offensive line just get up and mash. They did. For the most part of the game, they mashed. Yep. Yeah, Florida would actually, yeah, you said 400 yards total rushing, which actually leads the nation for week one, number one in rushing, 400 yards. And a big part of that, too, and a lot of people were talking about it, and I was, too. I was right there, right beside the tunnel. I got a bunch of good videos. It was a great atmosphere around there. But uh, my buddy Joe that was uh, was with me there, uh, we couldn't just stop talking about Anthony Richardson, man. Seven carries, 160 yards, one touchdown. 
22.9 average rush yards per rush. Anthony Richardson, I'm telling you what, man, he's going to be challenging Emory Jones for that starting job, and that's something you want to see is the backups being able to challenge the starter because that's going to make the starter just play that much better. You think Emory Jones, especially after his performance, which uh, we're going to get into later, you think after the performance he had last night, he's going to go into that USF game next week and not think, wow, I need to play better than this guy or he's going to take my job eventually. I mean, Anthony Richardson, granted his passing stats weren't spectacular or anything like that, but you saw the athleticism. You saw the you know, explosive playability that Anthony Richardson has. You saw him breaking tackles, stiff-arming guys, jumping over dudes' heads. I mean, that guy was all over the place. And we haven't had a quarterback like that since, you know, I'm not going to say it because I don't want to compare quarterbacks. But definitely really good to see from a backup quarterback that uh, was getting all the accolades and the scrimmages. And, and now you're thinking maybe the scrimmage notes and everything were real. Maybe maybe Emory Jones was struggling. Maybe, you know, Anthony Richardson was playing better than him in these scrimmages. And, you know, we'll get all into that. But, man, from what I saw, especially just from Anthony Richardson and the push that the offensive line was getting, I really like that. And, and hats off to Malik Davis, too. 14 carries, 104 yards, one touchdown, 7.4 yards per rush. That is really good statistics for a running back. And I'm really pl- proud of Malik Davis. 2017 had that injury set him back and put him down past the depth chart. Now to see him in 2021 rush for 104 yards in his first game and a touchdown, that's really good to see. Malik's freshman year. That's freshman year, Malik Davis. And, yep. you know, I, I, I couldn't uh, I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, proud of Malik. Um, happy for Malik. Finally healthy. Um, the foot injury was definitely something that continued to bother him. And when you're a guy like Malik who relies on cutting and um, and the shiftiness, foot injury sucks. Um, you know, to see that t- 14 carries, 104 yards, I mean, it, it could have been more. Yeah. It could have been more. Uh, you know, you, you see Damian Pierce with the six catch, uh, six uh, rushes for 31 yards, and then he also had the five catches out of the backfield. Uh, you know, the backfield's loaded. The, yep. the backfield's loaded. I mean, that's what it is. DeMarcus Bowman had four carries for 20 yards. And like you said, Anthony Richardson had seven carries and Emory had 10 carries. So the, the carries, you know, the 46 carries that they had in the game was divided by seven guys, yep. including Aquan Ryan um, and Lorenzo Lingard also. So, you know, you had you had a lot of guys touching the ball, uh, but to see that was, was awesome to see. And, um, you know, I think you're going to really start to see some of those two back sets um, and maybe even have Malik split out wide a little bit. Now that he's shown that he's fully healthy and can make those cuts, man, getting those swing passes out of the backfield and just let him go uh, is going to be something to watch Um, overall. Like you said, on the offense line, uh, really good. I, I was really impressed with Kingsley. Kingsley did oh, yeah. really, really good at center. Um, I thought Stuart Reese um, – I'm starting to wonder if Stuart Reese wasn't battling an injury or something last year um, because Stuart Reese looked a lot quicker. Um, yeah, he looked different. Uh, yeah, he looked different on Saturday. Maybe it's confidence. I don't know, but looked different. His pull blocks were terrible last year. His pull blocks on Saturday were really, really good. Now, let me put that into context. Ford Atlantic's defense line – wasn't that good. So is that a, you know, was that because of that? But here's the thing for me. And I said this on Friday, I don't care how good Ford Atlantic is. I need to see this team push them around. That's it. Yep. Mission accomplished on Saturday. Guess what? Do it again this week. 
and then you'll really see what things are like with the Alabama game. But I haven't seen an offensive line make a push like this against the defense in a long time. So I'm very, very happy to see that. Um, I guess one negative was not too high on the tight ends blocking. And we kind of knew that going in, um, that they weren't very good blockers. Um, Was a little concerned still uh, with a couple of receivers and their blocking on the outside um, overall. But uh, overall, a lot of positives. And Rick Wells, man, props to the guy. I mean, he might be in his 25th year and, you know, graduating with his super, super doctor's degree and might be a neurosurgeon by the end of all this. But get your first touchdown. All reports say the guy is a team player and everything else. You never have any troubles with him after his one incident his freshman year. So, um, hey, props to Rick Wells. Glad you stuck around and glad you finally got your touchdown. If Even if it's your only touchdown ever, guess what? You're in the record book to score in the touchdown in the swamp. That's right, yeah. That uh, five receptions for thirty six yards and a touchdown, Rick Wells, and that crowd when Rick Wells caught that touchdown, they they went off. And with actually, there was a little section behind us that was chanting for Wells. They were going Wells, Wells, Wells like that, and uh, we were chanting for him. So yeah, we were really proud of Rick Wells when he caught that first touchdown finally in the swamp. And uh, yeah, like you said, man, the offensive line. Uh, you got to, I mean, hats off to Gene Delance too. And I know I picked him last week and said, let's go. He wasn't the best of the offensive linemen out there, but I did see some improvement from Gene Delance. And like you said, here's the thing for me, David. Not to yeah. interrupt you. Oh, go ahead. Go I ahead. didn't. You, you, you didn't. You didn't have to say during the game. Gene Delance messed this up. Gene Delance messed this up. Nope. Gene Delance did this. You didn't have to say that. So guess what? It's fine. It, you know, and I, and I, and I'm not sitting here being a Gene Delance apologist or anything else. Hey, I'm I'm one of the hardest people on Gene Delance because I I love offensive line play. Um, but when when you didn't have to call his name, it was a good thing. Did he have some missed blocks? Yeah, he did. You know, was there some you know times where he allowed his guy? Sure, he did a little bit. But guess what? Overall, a plus. Good job. And uh, Braun came in and played a little bit of right guard, too. Um, Thought he played okay. Um, I thought Ethan White played pretty good. Um, Garage struggled a little bit with the speed rush on the outside, but in passing, was really good as well. So, um, hey, I'm going to give you a win on Gene Delance. Yeah, I'm going to give the offensive line. You have to give the offensive line at least an A in this game because there was not one play that I think that – Emory Jones was pressured maybe once or twice, maybe if you want to put that. I, I didn't really see anybody struggling in pass protection or it, it, obviously in rushing either with 400 yards of rushing. And, you know, we were just talking about this despite the depth chart that you guys dread the depth chart when it comes out. We would see appearances from Lorenzo Lingard and Marcus Bowman. They both combined for 26 yards rushing on six attempts. So not really much of an appearance from those guys, but Dan proving that the depth chart is just the depth chart and it's going to change consistently throughout the whole season and throughout the game. So all you people that see the depth chart every every game, don't worry about it. You're gonna see mo you're gonna see more of Bowman. You're gonna see more of Lorenzo Lingard out there for sure. Uh, with these two running back and two tight end sets. Uh how about Jamarcus Weston, man, a uh, leading receiver here. Three receptions for 44 yards. Another guy that I had picked last week for I guess for the return game mostly, but I didn't know he'd be out there receiving. Yeah, hats off to him too for leading the team in receptions, man. Yeah, um, you know, when you when you look at that and, um, you know, you, you finally see what we've all heard, 
with Jamarcus Weston. And that is a guy who has that big playability. Um, the guy who is, you know, really quick after the catch. And you've seen that. And so, um, you know, to lead the team in, in receiving yards with 44 yards, um, you know, it's not great. But, you know, it's leading the team in the receiving yards. So, um, it was good to see. You know, I, I think overall um, it's – it's tough to to gauge the receiver position in general um, because you know you only you only had twenty catches in the game and most of them were dink and dunks. Yep. Um, you know you had Rick Wells with five, Justin Shorter with four, um, Jamarcus Weston with three, uh, Trent had one, uh, Cope had one, and um, that was it. Xavier Henderson was targeted once. Um, would like to see the Henderson thing that that's got to change. Um, you've seen that on punt return. The guy's just electric. That's got to change. You got to get him uh, more touches in the game. Um, you got to get cope with some more, more touches as well. Um, yeah. Somehow, some shape or form. He's just too good of a player. Not to only have touched the ball one time. Um, so I think it's tough to say, um, you know, shorter had the the four catches for 11 yards, nothing spectacular there. Um, but it was good to see, you know, Jamarcus get out there. It was good to see Xavier Henderson on punt return, by the way, get Kyrie Elam off punt return. I yeah, understand yeah. you wanting for hands team, but just no, 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 no. Put Xavier Henderson back there and let him go. If you, I mean, Xavier Henderson's a receiver. He should have better hands than Kyrie Elam. I mean, that's why Kyrie is playing DB is because he can't catch the ball. Right, yeah. Uh, you make a point, man. I, I do like seeing Henderson. I mean, Henderson was a pretty explosive in the return game. He didn't return anything, but he pretty much was. I mean, offensively, I mean, those were pretty good takeaways. Uh, you didn't, and to me, Spivey, and let me ask you this opinion, too. I, I, it looked like Dan Mullen... It's not. It looks like Dan Mullen's trying not to give too much away before week three. I, I noticed that the offense was more dink and dunk. It, there wasn't that many deep shots until you had Anthony Richardson into the game. Uh, I don't think Dan Mullen's trying to give too much away before week three. Uh, I, I wasn't too upset offensively with the play calling because I figured going into this game that Dan was going to try to dumb down the offense a little bit, try not to give too much away because if you look at uh, Alabama, they, they put a hurting on Miami, and that was uh, – I ain't even going to go into that game because Miami didn't even have a chance. It was like, what, 27-0 to zero at halftime, and uh, all the Miami fans aren't back anymore like they are always in week one. But, yeah, uh, Dan, to me, looks like he's not trying to give away too much. So I wouldn't even really expect anything in the U a USF game coming up either. I would expect them to try to get up early, get up by like two or three touchdowns, kind of dumb it down like they did with FAU. But, I mean, there is a takeaway, that a bad takeaway I have to take from this, though, too. Florida could have easily been up 28-0, maybe even 35-0 before halftime. But Emory Jones, passing-wise, uh, he wasn't that good. I mean, he was, I think, 17 for 27 for 113 yards, one touchdown. Two interceptions for a QBR of 56.1. That's not a good QBR. And, and at the same time, one of the interceptions was in the red zone on the third drive of the game. Ill-advised throw. Emory Jones stares down his first read, which seems like forever. He doesn't even go to his second or third read, stares down the first receiver, tosses it right to an FAU defender and Deshaun Moss for an interception. So, I mean, when you stare down your receiver for that long, it's not that hard for a defender to get into the way and get an interception. And he stares him down and throws it right to the defender. That was just a, a dumb play call. And this was, this was about to be 21-zip. You, you had FAU already on their heels at the beginning of the game. You take up seven minutes to eight minutes on two drives, score two touchdowns. Then you get a forced 
fumble from Zachary Carter that was picked up by Gervon Dexter. And now you're at the 40 yard, 49 yard line, about to score again, right at the 12. And then you throw an ill advised interception. Yeah. And uh, they ran a high low concept there um, where they had the, the safety kind of over the top. They had the corner underneath. Um, I believe it was Malik. Uh, it was the running back out of the backfield. I believe it was Malik. Uh, didn't write that down, but I believe it was Malik out of the backfield. And he had him wide open underneath. You know, take it and – I think that was Naquan, right? Naquan. Okay, yeah. Naquan. Um, take it – dump it to Naquan. Yeah. See – let Naquan see if he can score. I mean, it was at the five. You like your defense. You like your running back one-on-one with a defender in the out in the open field. Do that. You know, dump it off. I mean, that's the – I don't want to harp on Emory because it is game one. But there is a lot of what we've heard – seen on Saturday. Yeah. It's it, concerning to a major degree. Um it's uh it's gotta be fixed. Um I think is the best way to say it. It's gotta be fixed. Um you can't go into the Alabama game one dimensional. You can't. And right, right. now you're one dimensional. You're one dimensional. Um you know, you're going up against a, a secondary of FAU who we've heard all year, I mean, all offseason, is the weakest part of their team. Yeah. And you put up 153 yards. And, you know, again, you put up 400 yards rushing. That was your focus. But when you tried to throw the ball, you couldn't throw the ball. Um, I, I go back to a, a play, a slant route to uh, Jacob Copeland in the, in the second quarter. Mm-hmm. Emory throws it 150 miles an hour, gives Copeland no chance. Um, he went with the stand pass to Justin Shorter in the red zone. Uh, Justin Shorter scores. He throws it so low, Justin has to go to a knee. He catches it yep. on the knees down at the 10. Um, you, you, can't, you can't do that and win. Um, you know, at, at some point or another, I mean, Nick Saban's going to bring it, and he's going to put 11 in the box and say, hey, beat me throwing if you can. Right. Because – I don't know that Emory can. Um, I don't know that Anthony Richardson can, to be honest with you, because um, he was three of eight. Um, I will say this. A lot of his misses, though, they were just throwing it deep and and seeing what they could do. And, and you know, it was uh, against with some of the second and third and fourth string guys, you know, at receiver. So I don't know that I blame a lot of that on him. Um but I, I, I'm looking forward to seeing this UC, USF game to see what it is. And I said this to you yesterday, David, and, and I'm going a, I'm to a bring this up. And I'm not trying to throw a conspiracy theory out there or anything else. But as a former football coach, I'm putting my quarterback, who is my starter, who the guy I trust the most, in the game at the end of the game. And at the end of the game, 15 was playing quarterback. I noticed that too, and if you, which is funny, this is another funny story. I don't mean to segue off of this, but if you watched the Florida State Notre Dame game last night, once uh, I think his name was Travis something, the quarterback, once Jordan his, Travis, Jordan Travis, once his helmet came off, you didn't see him come back in the game for a while. Mackenzie Miller was in there. Well, did you see that Norvell? And I don't know this to be true or not true, but Norvell says Jordan was feeling a little woozy after his helmet came off. Yeah, he didn't Are you buying weird. that? I'm not buying that at all. See, I don't know that I buy that either. Um, I never want to, never want to say a kid, you know, never want to question a kid's health. But I don't know that I'm 
fine that he was not healthy to come back in the game. But yeah, again, um, you know, and, and Dan comes out after the game and he says, there's no quarterback controversy. Emory Jones is my guy. Um, you know, he's the starter. First of all, I don't expect Dan Mullen to say that. If Anthony Richardson's going to start on Saturday, Dan Mullen's not coming out and telling a soul right. that Anthony Richardson's starting a quarterback. You'll see 15 roll out there and start at quarterback. And to be honest with you, if if I I think I know Dan Mullen pretty well, he'd probably throw Emory out there for the per- first play and then Anthony would play the rest of the game because then he could say, hey, Emory was my starter because he played the first play of the game. Um, I don't know that there's a quarterback controversy because I don't know that Dan Mullen wants it to be. Um, But I'll say this. At some point, Anthony Richardson's going to force himself into it being a quarterback controversy. Whether Dan Mullen likes it, whether Billy Gonzalez likes it, whether Garrett McGee likes it, whether John Hevesy likes it, whether any of the offensive offensive staff likes it, good players force themselves into into, the role. And it may be a point where Anthony Richardson forces himself into the role. Now, the counter side of that is maybe Emory Jones says, oh, my God, I'm in year three, and I'm about to lose my starting job. I got to go. And maybe he comes out in the USF game and, and just shows out. <clears throat> One last thing real quick, and that is I know, you know, we talked about dumbing down the offense a little bit because of the Alabama game. I believe that, but I don't believe that. And I and I say that tongue in cheek because I don't think the whole playbook was out there, especially formations and stuff like that. But I definitely don't think Dan Mullen ever felt great about the game because it. it was thirty five fourteen. I mean, it was what fourteen. Let me let me pull back this back up. It was fourteen nothing at the half. It was twenty one nothing at the end of the third quarter. Never in that game did FAU feel like they had a shot. But twenty-one yeah. nothing, you don't feel great about that. That's a a score and a turnover away from being a one-score ball game, as we've seen in the Notre Dame Florida State game on on Sunday night. Um, so I don't know that I fully believe that the offense was vanilla. I think at one point Dan Mullen just said, "Listen, FAU can't stop the run, and we're just going to keep shoving it down their throat." Um, but I definitely think he went into that game wanting to pass the ball more. Yeah, and the passes weren't accurate, not from Emory Jones. And I hate to say that because I, I, I'm i a big Emory Jones guy. I love Emory Jones, but he was not accurate at all. Uh, a lot of the, the one that you discussed with Justin Shorter, that was a touchdown. Like, you throw that accurately, that's a touchdown. So you leave some points on the board, and throwing that interception in the red zone, uh, going into halftime 21 nothing. I already knew we left 7 to 14 points out there that we we should have had. So I didn't really feel too bad going into halftime at being 21 to nothing, but like you said, at halftime at no point in that game did I ever think that that game was going to be close or we were going to lose. I never thought that whatsoever. And I think that you're right. I think that Dan Mullen knew that talent-wise and offensive-wise and defensive-wise they were pretty much owning the game. I mean, you hold FAU to 0 points in the halftime. I think they only held them to like 100 yards total in the first half. I can't remember. But, uh, yeah, in that one situation where he did throw it in the red zone, it was third and seven. If you dump it off to Naquan Wright, say he doesn't even get the touchdown, like he gets to the two-yard line, that's still three points. It's better than zero. It's better than taking a risk, throwing an interception, and not getting any points out of it. So you just have to have better quarterback awareness of where you're at in the game. You're up 14. 
don't throw something ill-advised as an interception, even if you have to just take three points. Just take three points. But I think Naquan, if he would have threw it to Naquan, I think that would have got in. But, yeah, I mean, Emory Jones, for his first game, I can't say that he did really well because he didn't do really well. But I think that you see some of the, you know, precautions of being not as being a first year starter in your first game. I think you're starting to see some of the, you know, ill-advised throws. And I think maybe he was just testing himself to see if maybe in real game time situations he could do this, he could do that. You don't, you don't really know from Dan because Dan don't like to give too much away. And I don't care if Dan says that there's a quarterback controversy or not. You got to be thinking you're going to see a lot more of Anthony Richardson if he keeps doing what he's doing. I mean, well, for a couple of reasons. One, he's forcing himself that. Two, at the end of the day, you got to win football games. Right. And if Anthony Richardson gives you the best chance to beat Alabama in two weeks, you better be ready. Yeah. Georgia's defense is really good. You yeah, better be ready. Better be ready for that. Let's go to the defense side of the ball. Yeah, uh, we talked about the offensive side of the ball a lot. Uh, let's go defense side of the ball. Um, gave up 353 yards. Uh, let me let me look at this real quick here. Uh, gave up 353 yards. 219 of that was in the second half, uh, with 180 of that coming in the fourth quarter. Uh, so, you know, I don't know that I fully am worried so much about the. The defense, you know, in that, I mean, again, a lot of the, uh, a lot of the uh, points and, and and yards and stuff came in chunk time. So yeah. I, again, not not considerably worried about it um, as far as that. I mean, had the shutout going until the fourth quarter. Um, defense line played outstanding. Oh, yeah. Jeremiah Moon and Zach Carter. Good luck. Yeah. Good luck. Jeremiah Moons is healthy as healthy can be. I, I said this. Um, he's ready for a year. And Zach Carter looks like a man on a mission to go be first-round pick. Uh, it didn't matter if he lined up at end, if he lined up at tackle. He was hitting the quarterback. He was making plays. Uh, he was he was really, really, really good. Um, overall, Chris Bogle uh, was good. Yeah, uh, Gervin Dexter had two fumble recoveries. Uh, you know, didn't see the push really um from the defensive tackles as much as i thought maybe they would um in the game uh, linebacker play was was pretty good ventrell led the team in in tackles which you kind of expect against florida atlantic who's just going to run the ball and dink and dunk um trey dean played really well um the, the running the run defense was really good um yeah. the question that i still have a little bit is pass defense. Um, Nikosi Perry is not very good. Um, 19 to 33, and could have been worse than that. Uh, there was a couple deep when, shots, though, that Nikosi Perry could have had if he was accurate, and they, those would have been touchdowns. Yeah, and and some and some you know mid range passing games that could have been good um, had he been able to complete it. So. I'm still concerned about the passing game. I still do not understand, David, and it frustrates me to no end. Uh, I'm getting mad. Why in the world on the in the red zone do you not play press man? Jason Marshall gets beat on a slant, and I, I can't even blame it on Jason because it was, he was lined up six yards off the freaking football, and the dude ran an easy slant for an easy pitch and catch. Play press man. This is FAU for God's sakes. Just play press man and beat them at the line of scrimmage and be done with it. That's 
oh, it's frustrating to see. You can't stand it. Um, so defense, uh, passing, pass defense is concerning. Um, I feel really good about the run defense. Florida's front seven's really, really good. Diabate played well. Um, Hopper got in, played well. Ventrell played well as um, as well. Um, Amari Bernie um, had the miss miss con- uh, assignment in the passing game, but I thought he did okay in the running game. Yeah, and you saw that uh, play where FAU was in the red zone and Nikosi Perry goes to rush in a touchdown and Muhammad Diabate just lights him up. That was a good play right there. Yeah. I saw that first hand right in the front uh, where in the end zone. And right, Gervon Dexter, man, uh, two fumble recoveries. And I think it seems like a repeating occurrence with Gervon Dexter in week one of games that he leads the team in total turnovers. Uh, yeah, hats off to Gervin Dexter, man. Look, look at him. Should I go to Vegas? Yeah, and, I know, and, right? And put a couple hundred bucks that next year Gervin Dexter's going to, um, you know, recover a fumble in game one. <laughs> we should. We should do that for every week. Every week one, just put in money for Gervin Dexter to get some kind of turnover. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, uh, six total sacks and six total teams, uh, six total tackles for loss. Jeremiah Moon, Muhammad Diabate, Antonio Valentino, Gervon Dexter, Princely Human Milan, and Dequan Newkirk would all account for one quarterback hurry, while Brenton Cox would account for two, which amounts for eight total quarterback hurries, six total sacks. Florida now sits at number 35 in total defense and opponent yards per game as of week one. So what I did like to see from the defense as well, you didn't see anybody looking around questioning, hey, where should I be? They all were every single defensive play. They were ready for the snap. They were there. Nobody was questioning anything. There was no, barely any flags on defense either. Uh, we have to give hats off to that too. So, yeah, in the passing game, it was kind of concerning because if if you started like right towards the beginning of the game, you know, the third quarter going into the fourth quarter, they gave up a total of 201 yards and two touchdowns just on three drives alone. So giving up more yardage than you did the entire first half and part of the third quarter. In the first quarter or in the first half, they only gave up 153 yards. So, then giving up 235 yards in the second half, which 201 of those yards came in the last three drives of the football game. I don't, like you said, I don't really look too much into that because we said it last week. If the touchdowns come kind of in a garbage time scenario, I'm not really concerned. And Florida did hold them under 20 points. And that was yeah. that was one of the main goals I wanted to see. Can Florida hold a non you know, non-conference opponent, a Conference USA opponent to less than 20 points. And that's what they did. I mean, they pretty much shut out FAU's offense for almost three quarters. And, uh, you know, the defense as a whole didn't play bad at all. I loved what I saw from Zachary Carter. I loved what I saw from Gervon Dexter. I did love that big hit that Bogle had, too, on the quarterback. Uh, Florida pretty much did shut down this offense, even though they were dinking, dunking, I didn't like the five and six yard chunk plays, but you're going to kind of get that when you're playing the kind of defense that Todd Grantham plays and the kind of offense that Willie Taggart wants to run. I, I wasn't too concerned when I saw the five and six yard chunk plays that FAU was getting because Florida was basically, when it came down to the 40, 30 yard line, Florida was shutting them out. And Florida didn't even get them within field goal range the whole game. I know FAU went for a lot of fourth downs. They did not convert, which is also good to see. So Florida actually shut down FAU's defense pretty well. I mean, in, in the defensive statistic category, I, I would say that I don't have any complaints on defense. They did get turnovers, which I wanted to see, but there was no interceptions. But, I mean, primarily when you're playing a dink and dunk offense, the chances for interceptions are going to be slim to none anyway. So it's good to see that they caused a couple of forced fumbles there. 
and got some turnovers. That's all you want to see out of a first game and a first game defense. So as me, my opinion on defense, I have no complaints. A lot of the points were in garbage time. I'm pretty satisfied with the defense. Yeah, um, I, I'm, I'm good with it. I'm good with it as well. Um, you know, I thought that um, thought the front seven again played really well. You know, still some questions in the secondary. We'll see on that. Um, the, the, the thing for the secondary is this. The defensive line is not going to give them much time to throw the ball. So if you can yeah. hold your ground for three or four seconds, probably pretty good. Um, I still think that second cornerback spots up for grams. I still think that star positions up for grams. Um, not sure that anybody really took charge of either one. I thought Avery Helm struggled some, obviously Jason Marshall had to pass the interference and then gave a touchdown. Um, Elijah blaze didn't play in the second half after having a face mask penalty in the first half. Don't know what that's about, but well, we'll see. Didn't even dress out in the second half. We'll see what that's about. Um, Darius Perkins at, at times played well and um, had a penalty as well, roughing the passer. Uh, I mean, excuse me, a, a, a face mask in the in the game as well. So, uh, you know, overall, um, some questions, but more positives than negatives. And for the sake of last year, you had zero negatives. I mean, you had zero positives very often. So, yeah. Uh, Overall, very impressed with the game. I uh, thought the kicking game was good. thought the um, special teams was good. Um, uh, Jamarcus Weston, by the way, on special teams, running down there on that punt and making that play. Hey, props to you, big guy. Yeah. Make plays on special teams, and you're going to earn your spell shot at playing on, uh, on offense. You're going to earn it. So uh, props to you overall for that. Um, again, take away from the first game, good job. You won. Move on to USF. Get better. Be better than week one. Yeah. Uh, I, I, and for Florida fans out there, it's not too much to look into Emory Jones' performance in, in his first game in week one. I think Emory Jones struggled with accuracy. I will say that. But I don't think that one game in one week is something to judge a quarterback on. Now, you go into week two, you start seeing some of the same things against a team that just lost 45 to nothing to NC State and USF. Then you might be able to talk a little bit. But right now, I think, you know, Emory Jones is still kind of, you know, getting situated with his offense and all that. And I know he's been in the system for three years. So a lot of you fans out there say that there's no excuse. And I'm one of them. There is no excuse. This was your quarterback three years. This guy should be playing just as good as the backups or the people behind him. So, I mean, yeah, overall, statistic-wise, I'm not too worried about anything. The only thing that... It, I guess jumped out to me and the fans was Emory Jones statistics. Well, there's 17 for 27, one touchdown, two interceptions. I mean, yeah, Emory Jones didn't have a good game, but that doesn't mean it's the end-all be-all. I think if Emory Jones comes into the second game, Dan Mullen's going to start Emory Jones. It, it, he's not starting Anthony Richardson in the first game. That's not a Dan Mullen move. He's not going to do that. He's going to stick with Emory Jones. And, and, and as history shows, you've seen Dan Mullen, even when his quarterbacks were struggling, he still stuck with them to build their confidence. And, uh, you know, he did it with Felipe Franks until that Missouri game. Kyle Trask gets hurt. Felipe Franks is back because Kyle Trask gets hurt. So Dan Mullen isn't afraid to pull that trigger when he needs to, but he's not necessarily going to pull the trigger until it's absolutely 100% needed. So Dan Mullen puts a lot of trust in his starting quarterbacks, but doesn't necessarily pull them away right away so yeah we will see emory jones will they take on usf and andrew man pretty much the takeaways from this game good and bad i mean not i mean if you look at it though there's a lot more good than there is bad so i think florida fans should be optimistic about the team going into week two 
But there was some other games on the horizon, and uh, the game that I watched one last second night, before we before we go there, yeah, real quick, yeah, go ahead, go ahead. You you uh, you got a win for Gene Delance. You did, yeah, I did. I think I got a loss for Emory. Not good. Totally. Uh, I will give you a win for Weston for special teams and leading the team in receiving, even though he it was bad. It was it was not good. Yeah. Um, I get a loss for Copeland too, which I'm over two, and you're two for two. Uh, let's see, your third pick was who? Trey Dean. It's Trey, Trey Dean. Dean. Yeah. That's, a, that's another <laughs> win. I was thinking that the whole time. I was like, man, I picked the right players. <laughs> but I do get a win for Jeremiah Moon. Yeah, you do. You do get a win for Jeremiah Moon. And so it was what so, three, three to one. Yeah, man, that sucks. <laughs> Go on, Jake. So Go Dave, on, Emory. David takes week one this time. Yeah, so, you take week one. So next week, we're going to have to do ours for uh, the next week. But, yeah, I mean, you're right, too. Uh, uh, Elijah Blades didn't uh, – speaking of that, Elijah Blades did not dress out for the second quarter. I was there near the tunnel. I was standing near the tunnel. I did ask Jadon Hill um, what was the status of Elijah Blades. He said, quote, unquote, him, hamstring. Now, that doesn't mean it was a hamstring. doesn't mean, you know – who knows what it was? All I know is he was. It seemed like Elijah Blades was walking around fine. So we'll see when the next press conference what Dan says. It's probably not going to be the truth, but <laughs> we'll see what he says in the next press conference about Elijah Blades and why he wasn't out there in the second half. If he is asked, I would ask. Him I need him to be on the sidelines. Yeah, even if you're hurt, be on the sidelines. I don't know what that's about. Have some inklings about it, but. Nothing, yeah, I just, I don't know. It's a weird situation, uh, weird um, overall. Be out there, be better. But, yeah, uh, you're going to go into the game. Uh, unfortunately, Clemson and Georgia had to play the same time uh, Mullen versus Willie Taggart was on. Uh, call some highlights, what little highlights there were. No offensive touchdowns in the game. And uh, Trevor Lawrence isn't playing for Clemson, so uh, their offense isn't very good, but. Yeah, man. Oh man, that defense is Georgia. The five stars showed up on Saturday. Yeah, and as much as I love to make fun of Georgia, and I did because I, <laughs> I made a post earlier today that showed all the starting quarterbacks in the SEC that's already played. I said which one out of these quarterbacks didn't have an offensive touchdown, passing, or rushing. <laughs> but not to make fun though, Georgia's defense is nasty. They are nasty. nasty. When they come to Jacksonville, it's going to be tough. I'm telling you guys, it will be tough to score on Georgia this year. I have to give my hats off to the UGA defense. They showed out, but man, I don't think JT Daniels is all cracked out what he's supposed to be, man. I I, I thought that from when I saw him play. He's not winning the Heisman again this year? I doubt it. Uh, His defense might. Somebody on defense might win the Heisman, but uh, I don't know about JT Daniels. But yeah, overall, I didn't really get to see the game highlights or anything, but looking at the game statistics now, not, not one quarterback on that team looked impressive. Not one. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was just one of those games where you have to gut it out with defense and which team scores the most. And Penn State, the Penn State and Wisconsin game kind of started like that. It was zero to zero until like what the third quarter. <laughs> I mean, yeah, there was there was a lot of low scoring games. Surprisingly, that uh, happened. Not year. Alabama, Miami. No, <laughs> I think Miami. Uh, yeah, Alabama, Miami was just a complete route from the get go. I mean, David, Alabama. but Miami's back. Yeah, Miami's back. Did you hear the Alabama the Alabama diss track from Coop? Yeah, yeah. Miami's back. But as somebody on Twitter uh, told me, and rightfully so, Miami's back to sucking like they always did. Yeah. So, uh, the turnover chain, you know, how embarrassing is it? You get the turnover chain and then it's for two off. seconds. 
and then you have to take it off. First of all, I hate that. I hate that stuff. I do. Uh, you know, I mean, it is what it is. I mean, I, you know, someone on TV during the Miami Bama game said, uh, it's a reward and it helps the guys. Are you, are you crazy? Are you telling me, you know, somebody from Miami has to, you know, be praised and, and you know, rewarded to, to want to go out and make an interception? Shut up. Get out of here. They want to do that because they can go to the NFL. Like, get out of here. It's not because of a, a stupid turnover chain or, you know, whatever it may be. Get out of here. Yeah. No chains, no trash cans, just turnovers. That's what Dan Mullen said in one of his press conferences. Just turnovers. That's all we need. Yeah. We don't need no chains. So we both got that game right. We did. We did. Uh, Virginia Tech upsets North Carolina, a low-scoring game. I, uh, yeah. I, I know a certain buddy by the name of Will Miles who was happy about that game because he lives up there, and uh, he's he's kind of a Hokies fan as well. So <laughs> Mac Brown is uh, choking it away again. Sam Howell was the butt of a lot of jokes. Yeah, he was. But the butt, of, the, the biggest butt of all the jokes was at Ogeron at LSU and UCLA. How about that game, man? <sighs> Tell everybody what he said. UCA, UCLA took LSU to the woodshed. Before the game, Ed Ogeron yelled at a fan and said, uh, what was it? A uh, Take that sissy blue shirt off. Yeah, go but, Tigers. Yeah, well, the sissy blue shirt beat the sissy blue out of you. That's what happened. So Here's, I, here's my thing for that, David. What's that? I'm okay with Orgeron saying that. I'm okay with it. Because to me, it's what college football is about. That rivalry, yeah. that trash talk, that you know, just, I don't want to say hatred because I don't think that there was any hatred around, but you know, that that's what college football is about. That's what separates it from the NFL is, is that I I have no problem with him saying that. Did it come back to bite him in the butt? And now he's the butt of all jokes. Sure. But I have no problem him saying that, you know, we all love Steve Spurrier because of one reason. Well, I mean, several reasons, but we still love Steve Spurrier because of his, you know, jokes he makes. I mean, you know, the crayons at Auburn, the, the can't spell citrus without Tennessee. And, you know, we, we love him because of that. I have no problem with Orgeron saying that. Like people are, are hating on him on social media about it. I have no problem with it. I think it's okay. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, when I got shown that video, uh, my buddy Joe had shown me the video of Ed Ogeron when I first saw it. And I actually laughed. I thought that was pretty funny. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Ed Ogeron, uh, definitely, he's the butt of the UCLA jokes now today. But, uh, I mean, at least he had the fire for his team and he was able to say something like that. Another game, man, that I think we predicted Indiana to win. Oh, Iowa took him to the woodshed. Yeah. 34-6, Oof. to six, man. Good that wasn't guy. a good one at all. <laughs> yeah, That was, one was bad. How, how about Montana upsetting Washington 13-7? Oof. I mean, come on. I mean, what is going on? I mean, uh, Vanderbilt, they got smoked. Uh, Mississippi yeah. State barely beats Louisiana Tech. Um, what was the Texas score? I'm looking here. 38 for to 18. It. Texas took them to the woodshed, man. Yeah, that was a close game. You know, seven to nothing late in the, in the second quarter. Um, you got that one right. I got that one wrong. Oof. Yeah, I figured Zarkeesian being there at Texas would uh, bolster the offense. Kind of did a little bit, but uh, yeah, Wasn't you were right. Enough. It was it was pretty close until you got into like that third fourth quarter. I mean, then it and then the Florida State game, man. Yeah, oh. that, that's the one I want to get into, man. Florida State. Is... I, I'm gonna tell you, I'm gonna tell you this. Florida State looks better. I mean, you can tell that they're better coached than they were right. with Willie Taggart. They don't have. You could tell Notre Dame had the better talent. That quarterback was getting rushed all game. 
But right. they coached that game better to make that game close. And it was a home game, so the crowd being a factor was also, you know, obviously the crowd helps in, in all those aspects. But, I mean, like, Florida State actually impressed me a little bit last night. But I do think every year I always know Notre Dame's overrated. Now I'm curious to see how many games Notre Dame loses or how many close games that they have the rest of the year. But uh, how about uh, Notre Dame Nor- is Norvell icing his own kicker, man? Yeah, that was that was terrible. But I mean, Notre Dame is is what they are. I mean, they're they're always overrated. They you know whatever. Um, I, I hate to say it, but yeah, Florida State's better. And here's the thing for me: props to Mackenzie Milton. Yeah, that just shows you, man. If you have faith and you believe in yourself, and you trust the process, and you 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 put your heart and soul into into playing playing again, you can do it. I mean, you know, to see what he came back to and and to look, and I mean, obviously they didn't win the game, but but props to that guy. You know, I, I hope Florida State loses every football game in the world, but I hope Mackenzie Milton does really well. I, I do. I, I think so. Uh, but overall, yeah, I mean, Florida State's better. Yeah, how good they are, we'll see. Uh, I have my doubts about how good Notre Dame really is. Uh, yeah. So yeah, that's that. Um, be interesting to see. Does Norvell take the approach of you know Jordan Travis still my quarterback, or is McKenzie Milton my quarterback? Uh, that'll be interesting to see going forward. But they're definitely there. Uh, you know, I again, I, I don't like Florida State, but I thought it was awesome to hear Dope back to full force. Uh, I, I love going to opposing stadiums when it's packed and screaming and hollering. Um, good to see that. And, and like I said before, uh, good of, good of them. I mean, uh, Bob, honoring Bobby Bowden, good for them. Good for them. Yeah, Jay Sean Corbin had 144 yards rushing. That is uh, <laughs> 15 carries and averaging nine. Coming back from injury. Yeah, coming back from an injury. Mackenzie Milton went five for seven, 48 yards. I mean, he didn't play a lot, but when he was in the game, it looked like he was the better quarterback. I think he was a lot better than Jordan Travis. But, I mean, yeah, props out to him. After having that gruesome leg injury, man, over there at UCF, man. Uh, props to him, man. He's coming back. And, and, and you know, maybe if Mackenzie Milton starts for Florida State, some, some teams, all you need is a quarterback, man. All you need is a good yeah. quarterback to make a team that's very untalented way better. And uh, yeah, I mean, Clemson doesn't look good. Miami's trash. Yeah. Welcome to week one of college football, man. <laughs> yeah. Welcome to week one. Um, let's wrap it up here. But we'll, uh, you know, Florida, Florida again travels to to Tampa, take on South Florida, uh, one o'clock on Saturday. Um, you know, South Florida's not very good, but we'll get into that more on Friday. But um, you know, again, you you hope to improve from week one to week two. That's your goal. Get yep. better every week um, in all facets of the game. The running game was really good, but guess what? You can get better. Your passing game was terrible. Guess what? You can get better. This team against South Florida is not very good. Um, everybody can get better. Um, there's still a lot of competition. Hey, you know, uh, Gervin Dexter didn't start in the game on Saturday. Maybe he starts. Um uh, Avery Helm started at corner. Maybe he doesn't start. Maybe Jason Marshall starts. I don't know. Uh, uh, you know, Malik Davis started at running back. We'll see. I mean, uh, he earned it, but, you know, it changes every week. So, um, a lot of competition, a lot of places to get better, um, and a lot of places to continue to improve. But, uh, like you said, overall, A-plus, good job for the first game, and um, football's back. 
Football's back. Yeah, overall A-plus from the offense and defense. I can't say anything bad, really. I mean, Emory Jones struggled a little bit, but doesn't mean that he will struggle in week two. So we'll just have to find out what happens when they go away for their first away game at USF and for Andrew Spivey and for David Soderquist. That'll wrap it up for this episode of the GatorCountry.com podcast. You can follow me at GC on Twitter, and you can follow Andrew Spivey at GC on Twitter as well. That'll wrap it up, folks, for this episode of the GatorCountry.com podcast.